0: Vsauce, Kevin here, and Matt, something happened in December that garnered a lot of attention online, but I'm not quite sure that anyone that I saw at least really put it in the proper context or kind of communicated the significance of this moment, and that is that there are now two distinct YouTubes, and the event that was the watershed moment surrounding this was YouTube Rewind. So youtube rewind came out and then pewdiepie's rewind came out and the difference between that two i think for the first time like clearly like i don't know like a flag has been planted on the moon that now says like there's a distinction between what youtube thinks youtube is and what the community and original creators on youtube think youtube is
1: it's definitely a fork in the road in a certain way, where it's pretty much a turning point in terms of how we think about YouTube. And in 2017, with that rewind, eh, the community hinted that uh, there was not a perfect matchup, right? If you, if you remember, there was some criticism, a bunch of dislikes on the video, but it was nothing like we saw in December.
0: Yeah, so just to back up a little bit, for those who may be unfamiliar with YouTube Rewind, the point of YouTube Rewind is essentially a commercial for YouTube, or at least that's what it became. It seems like in the beginning, it was more or less a celebration of YouTube, where like YouTube was funding this one video at the end of the year that was sort of a roundup of all of the fun moments and the unique things that occurred on the platform, and also Featured a lot of the top creators of that year on the platform, but in subsequent years it became more and more I think what YouTube's vision of YouTube should be to Kind of like people unfamiliar with YouTube if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it was something like a year in review I mean, it was sort of a video yearbook of what made that year impressive In the YouTube community and then all of a sudden it became a thing that was a little bit that Uh, we're still trying to be a lot of that but it was more about communicating YouTube's vision and values going into the next year and and, uh, it's not that one of those is right and one of those is wrong it's that they are different things and the community certainly sees them differently.
0: Yeah, so what happened uh, in 2018 was that YouTube's Rewind came out and it was just glaringly obvious that something has changed between what YouTube sees itself as and what the people who watch and like and dislike YouTube videos sees it as because that video quickly became the most disliked video of all time. Right now it is sitting at 15 million dislikes. Which is a lot more that's, that's, that's than a lot of dislikes. It's a lot more than number two, which was Justin Bieber's baby. And that has right. that has 10 million. So
1: and that took how many how many years to get to 10 million? Oh, my eight gosh, years, seven, eight years.
0: Yeah. Years and years. And YouTube Rewind 2018 just blasted that. <laughs> how many out days the water. did that take? It was, it was uh, I
1: believe it was within a week. Is it a week? Yeah, it really does take a lot to get somebody to go out of their way to say, I'm going to make a statement with my mouse that shows how much I disapprove of the time I've just wasted. You really have to push somebody to get them to commit to disliking something. So it's a significant stat.
0: Well, and and especially with a video that's supposed to be celebrating the thing that the people who are watching it love I mean, these are all people who are part of this YouTube community. They, they comment on videos. They you know, talk about it. They follow creators off of YouTube, onto Instagram and you know, Snapchat and Twitter or whatever. So here they are watching this video that's supposed to be making them feel like really excited about the platform. And instead, it's like, no, this is not, this is not at all <laughs> congruent with my experience uh, day in and day out on this website
1: so YouTube releases the rewind in December this reaction happens right the community pops up and makes it known uh, what they think then PewDiePie does what
0: so then PewDiePie and actually with the help of a few memers two of which are great friends of the create unknown Dolan dark and grande uh, but then also another memer named flying kitty they put together basically a a meme review And PewDiePie was the host of it. And conversely to YouTube's rewind, PewDiePie's rewind got seven and a half million likes as compared to only 73,000 dislikes. So it became the most liked, the most (laughs) liked non-music video of all
1: time. So thinking about the numbers on that, it really puts into perspective what's happened here. So the YouTube Rewind, one in 10 viewers disliked it based on the numbers you just said, as opposed to PewDiePie. That video, the like to dislike, it was 100 to 1. Now imagine getting about 100 people together, having 99 of them enthusiastically pumping their fists, and then, you know, there's there's one one person who who's like yeah this wasn't for me. It's an overwhelming approval rate. And obviously, the people watching PewDiePie are kind of self selected to, to like what he's doing. But when you get these kinds of numbers with the 45 million views or so, uh, the huge positive response to what he did, the complete lack of a negative response to what he did, it starts to emerge that there are two general communities of people on YouTube who are viewing different content and viewing that content differently.
0: Yeah. So I think that there's YouTube. And now there's tube <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's where we are. No, I think
1: that's a fair assessment.
0: In 2019. Like, I think it's fair to say that there are two different things. You know, I'll call it Tube because, I mean, that PewDiePie Rewind video compared to YouTube's Rewind video, I think was the moment that we can all point to and say, look, there's something kind of weird going on here that like, look, everybody has felt this way for a really long time. Uh, this isn't anything new there have been you know grievances for years uh, in regards to what you know creators want the platform to push and what YouTube wants to push and generally speaking like they have different motivations like a PewDiePie has a different motivation than you know Susan Wojcicki has when she's trying to sell Johnson & Johnson and Toyota on spending hundreds of millions of dollars on ads every year so that you know the PewDiePies of the world can have pre-rolls and mid-rolls
1: on their content. I think that's accurate, and you've had you've had a fair amount of experience in in that process, haven't you? With seeing YouTube's different pushes on advertising and how they how they try to work with both the advertisers and and the creators to make that system function.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's it's really weird for me, you know, because when when i started making videos and uploading videos to youtube it was you know weird potato cartoons and like me <laughs> like dumping pudding on my head and recording it with like a laptop camera um <laughs> in my apartment above like the hot dog shack um,
1: and then you know, have you really have you really come that far though?
0: No, no, not re- no, not really. <laughs> That's funny that you say that because recently there was that <laughs> there was that meme going around with like the ten year challenge or whatever where you would show a picture <laughs> of yourself yeah. like ten years ago. And I found a, a, a YouTube video of me using a, a Rambo action figure in two thousand and nine, and then just <laughs> last year I used a Rambo action figure uh, in which video was it i think what is a paradox to explain achilles uh, and the tortoise
1: it was that or one of the game one of the game ones yeah
0: yeah so i haven't come that far but going back to yeah it's been weird you know from where i started with the platform to then being invited to brandcast which is brandcast is an annual event that youtube holds for advertisers for you know fortune 500 billion dollar companies To entice them to buy advertising to spend you know a portion of their insane marketing budget every year on YouTube
1: and what do you as a creator and the people like you what do you do when you walk through the doors at Brandcast what happens
0: oh so they have like a red carpet and like the youtubers walk down the red carpet and it's supposed to be this like there's a lot of pageantry involved Um, but at the end of the day there are not a lot of people like looking to snap photos of me and like, <laughs> you know, I'm not exactly. Uh, I don't know um, who's who's important. Who who's a famous celebrity? I don't. I'm so out of the loop. I don't know who
1: who is important. Who is important?
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Cardi B. I'm not. <laughs> how, a, how sad is it? Yeah. Car, <laughs> Cardi, Cardi B is Cardi good. Cardi B is good. But how sad is it that we're both thinking like, oh, we, we should Google who the world likes right now because we're so out of touch
0: oh i know i'm thinking brad pitt and i'm like brad pitt like this is not 2001
1: <laughs> hey, 2011 <is> <laughs> right. like, how about that brad pitt who was so good in film on louise you know really nicely done kevin yeah i, I i'm <laughs> I'm no
0: Clark Gable.
1: <laughs> so, so how many people like you are at Brandcast when that kind of thing happens? Are we talking like the top hundred appealing people? Is it top thousand, top ten thousand? I mean, how how big or small is this ecosystem?
0: I think it's like two hundred or so, r- roughly okay. roughly two hundred people, top YouTubers who you know work well with YouTube and you know YouTube it feels comfortable, kind of parading around in in such a way. That um, you know, we're there to kind of be the celebrities, sort of in the room. And a lot of the YouTubers will also do performances, so it's a show that will they put on a performance essentially for the brands, kind of like a party, I guess you would say. And like there are keynotes where you know Susan Wojcicki comes out and does her spiel about how great YouTube is. The year that I went, Casey Neistat did a, a talk about his experience on the platform. Then like Katy Perry comes out and does a concert. Like it's pretty ridiculous. It's pretty over the top. Like it's not a little thing. They spend an absurd amount of money on this event because it is a really big deal. Like this is where they get their funding for the year essentially, so that everyone can have ads on their videos this is
1: like like this is how it happens so this is one half of what YouTube is and then then we get the other half and there was a a tweet from it was Eddie Burback who kind of summed up what the difference is between these two different mindsets you get this brand cast kind of YouTube and then a completely different independent community driven type YouTube
0: yeah so uh, I have Eddie's tweet here he said I think YouTube's biggest mistake with the community is thinking everyone who watches YouTube videos is part of the community there are people who act follow and support a ton of YouTubers. And then there are people who just watch Desposito 20
1: times. That seems fair. These are not the same type of viewer, are they?
0: No. And like, the thing is, is I don't think one necessarily, like, even though they don't cross paths, I think that YouTube's job here is really to allow for both versions of itself to flourish. Like, you know, they need Casey Neistat to talk about you know, working with brands on stage just as much as they need iDubs like slicing his hand open while uh, opening mystery (laughs) boxes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, they're not the same thing, but they both matter and they both kind of depend on each other, don't they?
0: I I mean, I think so. I, I certainly think that there are probably a lot of people out there, probably a lot of people listening to this conversation who think, well, I wish that YouTube would just go back to the way it was. Like it would go back to being like, you know, Chad dressed up as Donkey Kong throwing barrels down a hill at Max Mofo and IDubs, and that being on trending or whatever. But trending I- isn't even trending anymore. I mean, I don't know if you saw this, but there's literally like a change.org petition for YouTube to change the trending tab to staff picks. And I, I find that pretty compelling.
1: You'd think, and I, o- I always thought, or did a while ago, that trending was really kind of algorithm-based, where if it's something that a lot of people like, uh, they're engaging in the content, watching a lot of it, seeing it 100% through, leaving comments, a lot of likes as opposed to a lot of dislikes, that it would kind of automatically be placed on that page because it's it's a combination of factors that show people are really into what it is, whatever it is. And then uh, I remember a couple situations with your videos a few years ago, and you look at that and think, well, really good things are happening with this video. It's completely blowing up. Why is it not on trending and why are these things on trending uh, there instead? It it makes no sense. And we'd see it with so many other videos. And you mentioned something from uh, H3, didn't you? That a couple years ago started to question what's going on there.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I pulled up a tweet from Ethan from H3H3 Productions from 2017 that said, it is clear to me by now that YouTube's trending page is completely manipulated. New vid with three plus million in 12 hours does not trend. Why? And I think it's all part of this. I mean, I think it's all part of YouTube wanting to be a certain thing to certain people who go to the website. And then, you know, gigantic channels like like PewDiePie's YouTube Rewind, that is the most liked video now of all time, was not on trending
1: at all. So out of how many videos in the history of YouTube, this one has received the best in the history of humanity on the site? and doesn't make it to trending that's pretty clear that they're picking winners and losers
0: uh, yeah i mean picking winners and and losers it, they're picking what they want youtube to be I, I i don't know how else to articulate that like the staff picks thing i think is so interesting because it reminds me of video stores like when i was a kid you'd go to like rent a movie <laughs> like a lot of people listening to this are like what is <laughs> what is a video? videos so let me tell you about video blockbuster video kids Gather round. Stroll on
1: down to the video.
0: <laughs> yeah, video to pick up, uh, you know, Rocky Four. But, um, you know, you'd go into a video store and there are hundreds, if not, I don't know, a thousand movies that you could rent. Um, let's use bookstores. Maybe that's even, even mm. you know, that's, that's probably where this originated. You, you go into a bookstore, there are 4,000 books. How do you know what to read? Okay. Well, it turns out that the people who work at the bookstore love books. That's why they work at a bookstore. So they, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like they read a lot. They love books. That's why they work there. They have some probably pretty decent opinions on what's a good book and what's a bad book. So the bookstore would have a section called staff picks or something of the like. And you could just go to that section and say, oh, these are the recommended books for me to read. And I have a hard time thinking that the trending tab is anything at all other than YouTube's version of Staff Picks. This is what we would like people to watch who come to YouTube.
1: The interesting thing about that example to me is that if you had a bookstore that was doing this, and pretty much every bookstore I've ever been in does exactly what you've described. They would have a sense of how the customers responded to staff picks. So, I don't know, maybe the books that Philip picks out and puts on the shelf, people don't buy, but the ones that Karen does, people are really into. Well, let's have Karen do a few more staff picks. It would, you'd, you'd have feedback and data on how useful that was. And we have no idea what happens with the trending tab. We don't know how the community responds to that or how they behave with it. And I think that frustration is really what drove people to react the way they did to this rewind. All they can do is do something as simple as like or dislike a video to show where they fall on this. And we were talking a little earlier just now about, about how hard it is to get somebody to dislike something. PewDiePie made a video specifically trying to get dislikes, didn't he? Was it a million dislikes or so? Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. He Uh, PewDiePie made a video called, Can This Video Get 1 Million Dislikes? That was the title of the video.
1: Oh, okay. And he he got a few million more than that.
0: He got 3.8 million dislikes on that video, yeah.
1: Okay, so the most popular creator on the platform specifically asks people to take a certain action. And that doesn't even come close to the organic dislikes that the YouTube Rewind 2018 had. And that really shows how I think frustrated viewers are on YouTube, because all they can do is like, dislike, comment, share on Twitter with a you know a comment of their own, something like that. There's not a lot they can do. And part of it is having no real knowledge about why trending trends, what gets in there. I think a little resentment builds, too, when you've got an awesome creator who you really love, who never gets thrown a bone by YouTube. There's a lot of frustration that's been building on everybody's end from viewer to creator. And I think that blew up in December. And now we have two absolutely distinct paths on one side.
0: And I don't know what YouTube does about it, honestly, because they're not going back. Like they're not like the path of YouTube from corporate headquarters, their point of view is they're going all in on celebrities and like traditional media stuff is what I know for a fact because I've had these conversations with YouTube. And I don't know if it's all entirely based on money it's entirely based on wanting to get you know more ad dollars from these brands that feel safer advertising on, AMC than they do on YouTube because of the unpredictability of what their ads are going to run against. You know, that really came to a head with the adpocalypse, right? So the adpocalypse was this thing where all of a sudden these advertisers were shown to have had their ads placed on completely objectionable content. And so a lot of advertisers got scared and they pulled their ad dollars off of YouTube. And then YouTube had to just come crawling, begging on their knees and did all of this stuff. They built a whole infrastructure for advertisers after that where like advertisers could have their own back end where they could decide like some sort of checklist of where they want their ads to run. And I don't know exactly, cause I've never seen it, what those parameters are, like what things they can choose and not choose. But I know that that was built after the adpocalypse.
1: Everything that you're talking about here Over time, which is I don't know, let's say six to eight years, right, from when YouTube really started to be a thing, versus where it's at now, it's this perpetually maturing and more clearly defined brand on its own, and I think that's a significant element to what's happening here. You're saying that YouTube can't go back; they they can't have that Chad throwing barrels at Idubbbz video trending because now that's outside their brand. Uh, They've worked very very hard to set it up that way, and. When you put the outside things in that mix, you really kind of undermine that brand that you've built. So they're kind of stuck. At the same time, there are a whole lot of people who want the things that are outside of YouTube's 2019 brand.
0: Well, yeah, because that's what makes YouTube interesting. (laughs) I mean, if you look at the trending page, okay, right now, kind of what YouTube is today and like what they've been moving towards is sort of like a dumping place for tv clips like if you go, <laughs> yeah. it, it is it's like here's yeah, what you right. you know for people who don't have tv here's the best of television that's kind of what trending is <laughs> it's like the best of tv in in like five minute chunks rather than what it used to be or what it still is but they can't talk about it which is the home of the most original and experimental content in the world that's what it actually is.
1: And that's what built the site up in the first place was letting all of those creators do their thing, letting the community decide what they wanted more of, what what they kind of didn't, and letting the creators respond to that by making different content, stopping content in a lot of cases, doing something different. This whole thing is fluid. It's a back and forth. Everybody's involved in it. And the end product is something where both sides are really happy. So it, does that hint at a possible solution or direction for YouTube knowing what they've done and how it's worked so well does that give them really a chance to to shake things up a little bit and put this on the right track
0: i don't i don't know i don't know in what ways they're able to do that and still put on this facade this like corporate facade that they have this mask that they've been wearing where it's like yeah youtube is where ariana grande like sings in funny voices or Uh, you know, (laughs) or or where John Oliver's like latest takedown of so-and-so that, or or even just like sports clips, music videos, and movie trailers. It's all of this kind of, you know, snippet style of mainstream media from a front-facing perspective. And the big thing, I don't know what they do with, let's just circle back to YouTube Rewind. Okay. What do they do with that? Like, let's just start there because... I don't know where where you go now because clearly they can't do what they did again this year. That was a PR disaster. and And the entire point of YouTube is the PR, you know, brownie points that they're supposed to be getting from the community, but also from the general media at large.
1: I don't know if it's that clear to them, though, because the numbers and the reactions on the 2017 rewind were really not good. And if you made a video that was received the way that one was in terms of the comments, the likes and dislikes and all that, you would never, ever make a video like that again. Well, there isn't even a word for what they did in 2018 because doubling down doesn't cover it. They took this thing that was roundly shown to be not what the YouTube community as a whole wanted, and then thought, let's do this on a 50,000 times grander scale and give them more of what they hate. (laughs) So you look at that and think, well, they definitely can't do that for 2019. And I think, well, they just did it. Maybe they'll... uh, Really shoot this one to the moon and and show us something supremely offensive and horrible and whatever it is for 2019 rewind.
0: But I can't imagine that like even if they were happy with the product, even if they were happy with how the video turned out, and let's say that you know Coca Cola and Starbucks or whomever are also happy with it, like they think the message is great and it looks really cool because like Will Smith hosted it, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you look down and you see 15 million dislikes and the comments just absolutely like abysmal. And at the very least, if you're Coca-Cola, you got to look at that and say, like, something is off. (laughs) Something is wrong here (laughs) between like what YouTube wants to make us think it is and what YouTube's community thinks
1: about that. Communicate and people who put money out, too. For any kind of advertising or sponsored work or anything like that, we both know the way they process results. And it's pretty tough to spin to them, even that a certain number of dislikes or disapprovals is actually a healthy thing. If you make content that's kind of saccharine and loved by absolutely everybody, you're probably not pushing it very hard, right? So we know how difficult it is for brands to understand that maybe 10% of reactions or dislikes actually shows how good that content is. So imagine you trying to sell to a brand, oh, this video that you've paid a whole lot of money for is actually great because five or six times as many people who who liked it really hated it. They really (laughs) hated it. I don't know how that conversation goes, but if I'm on the advertiser side, I'm probably not buying what YouTube is selling.
0: No, no. And obviously the people who love and watch YouTube and have accounts, you know, that log into an account and have like a username, uh, because that's another thing, like the amount of views that YouTube garners from People that are not logged in, they'll never sign up, but they'll uh, click on the thing. That's a significant audience, too. So they, they do literally have two audiences here, one of which is this kind of casual, broad, not logged in user. And another, which is, you know, everybody listening to this podcast, for sure. Uh, people who are fully engaged in the platform in a way that I think is so much more... Uh, I don't know what you would say. It's, it's like such a, um, there's such a deep commitment and connection, I think, on YouTube between like the creators and the community. And that's what I think makes it so special. And what YouTube is putting out there as what makes it so special right now is something entirely different. It's this, well, I guess it's just like I said before, it just seems like TV 2.0.
1: There must be value in that because number 1 they keep doing it and number 2 it's not like all of those videos are received badly. People do like to see Jimmy Kimmel highlights. There's all sorts of stuff that we look at as being eh, kind of a, a reshuffle and snippet of something you can see on TV, but people do appreciate that and enjoy it. So you've got a segment of people who who look for that kind of content, interact with YouTube in a kind of generic non-specific way. Then you get the people who are into specific creators who are much smaller than John Oliver. They're going out of their way to talk with the community of fans in that space, to talk with the creators themselves. Like, how many times do you have exchanges with Vsauce 2 fans on Twitter? You know, I see it every day. These are two different kinds of people. And it seems that YouTube hasn't fully committed to letting both styles flourish and supporting both styles in a way that allows any type of creator. Any type of creator to succeed on the platform and to let the community decide who is going to succeed.
0: Oh, the other thing I wanted to mention earlier in regards to uh, whether they were just doing this kind of thing for the money, it's definitely not just for the money. It's also for publicity and for reputation within the entertainment industry, because I know for a fact that YouTube and like a lot of top YouTube creators in general, there's like a a huge lack of respect That occurs from traditional media towards YouTube media. Like there's, they're not writing a lot of glowing articles. They're not inviting YouTubers on the Today Show. And if they do, you know, it's super rare and it's super specific. And that's like super safe, you know, 9am on a Tuesday for, you know, homemakers to watch. And YouTube feels that. I know that they do. They feel like they should be more respected for what they're doing. And I think that that's another part of this is that they also want like there's such like an ego involved, I think.
1: The more seriously that medium is taken, though, generally, and, and that goes from people in the industry to just generic everybody all the way down the more seriously the medium is taken the more money is going to flow in and that's a good thing it's not it's not a greedy thing it's a youtube can have the money to promote all sorts of different programs develop new tools that make creators be able to do more things do them better you know so it's not just we're raking in piles of cash sort of way but the the popular conception makes a big difference there You know, I had a doctor's appointment in November, I think, and I'd never talked to this doctor before and he's doing small talk and all that. And he's like, oh, what do you do? And I, I tell him and he says, you can make a living off that. It's like, yeah, yeah, I I actually can make a living helping to develop content and repping creators and this and that. If I told him, like, well, I'm a writer on Scandal or uh, I rep actors who exclusively work with the major networks, he would have thought I was an absolute baller. It would have been a completely different conversation. And changing that popular conception all the way at the top, all the way down to the bottom, that's that's not a bad aim. Now, are they doing it in such a way that marginalizes a lot of creators, disrupts? a very natural organic development uh, on the platform? That's the real question. And they need to consider whether what they think of as being very positive for the brand and creators overall and viewers, whether that's actually doing more harm than good.
0: Yeah. So, you know, it'll be really interesting to see what happens uh, with YouTube 2019. Like I'm kind of chomping at the bit in a lot of ways to see what they do there, because yeah, I agree, man. Like it could be just an, a, a tripling down on that. They could just keep going harder and harder into it and ignore, you know, I could I could foresee a time where they just turn off likes and dislikes. They turn off comments and they just make YouTube rewind into like literally a commercial for YouTube and celebrates almost nothing that has to do with the community I could foresee them doing that or I could foresee them potentially going the other way and really trying to reach out to creators and and see like what is going on because clearly we're really out of touch with what people who are using this platform every single day are interested in it's not John Oliver flossing. <laughs> It's definitely not. No one saw John Oliver Fortnite dancing and thought, yes, this is exactly what I needed to see in my life. And this is what represents 2018 to me.
1: That's how I'm going to remember an entire year. I think that your prediction on this is probably going to be a combination of things. And I think they're going to make an effort to figure out where it went wrong and to talk to creators. I don't think what they find out is going to be implemented very well. I just don't get the sense that they're. They're going to let the creators and the viewers drive this one. That's the big distinction between what you described in the beginning of the old rewinds and what happened now. The viewers absolutely drove the early rewinds. The more control viewers gave up, the worse they liked the rewind, okay? I think they're going to make an effort to talk to the community, and then I think they're going to do whatever they think is best for YouTube as a whole, and probably turn off the likes and dislikes, turn off comments, and I would not be surprised if there was no YouTube Rewind 2020 after that.
0: Yeah. It could be that could be it. But ultimately I think that this twenty eighteen PewTube versus YouTube thing was a really big, like you said, fork in the road. And I think the things change from now on. And I just was really excited to hop on here and talk this through with you because, you know, you and I had been talking about this for a while, just casually, and it was really helpful to just kind of work through it, you know, in front of a microphone. And I hope everybody enjoyed uh, our thoughts on this. And I'd love to hear, you know, what you guys have to say about it too. Like if you want to leave like a 500 word comment (laughs) down in the comment below with your thoughts regarding PewTube versus YouTube, I'll read it. Like, go for it. Like, let's let's talk about this. Yeah,
1: we will both read it. And we read all the comments that come in anyway and respond to a lot of them. But we absolutely take everything that comes in seriously. And I want to hear what other creators, large and small, think about all of this. I want to hear what the casual viewer thinks. I mean, not that the casual viewer is probably listening to this, but just every type of person in the YouTube ecosystem, I want to know what they think on this. And I want to see how everybody's analysis in predictions add up toward what we end up getting at the end of 2019
0: let's do it all right well thank you for joining us here on this little uh, YouTube YouTube discussion you've been listening to the create unknown I'm Kevin Lieber with me as always is Matthew Tabor and we will we will speak to you next time we've been your hosts Kevin Lieber and Matt Tabor check us out over on YouTube at vsauce2 If you like what you heard, please tell a friend, share with everyone and anyone, for friends aren't the only people you should share with. Share with your bitter rivals. Executive producer is Dave Kiney. Our theme song is from the incredible Mega Drive, so check out Mega Drive's website in the show notes. Let us know if you liked having this shorter bonus episode dropped into your lovely, darling lap. Until then, you are about to exit Free Unknown. And as always, thanks for listening.